Chapter 15, Working Relationships. As I write this chapter, I'm conscious of two things. Firstly, relationships, specifically spiritual friendships, have been at the core of my study and teaching for the last 15 years. Secondly, while I feel I have some knowledge of and have become skilled at developing positive relationships, my recent history of working relationships has been a mixed bag. This is one of the toughest areas that we face as human beings, how to get along with one another. Let me start with the biblical foundation. A biblical foundation for relationships. There are many prisms through which we may look at the big story, the meta-narrative of the Bible. Some see it as the story of God making Jesus king. Some see it as the outworking of the Trinity encountering creation. And some see it as a movement toward eschatological fulfillment with the creation of a new earth. I find it helpful to see the Bible as the story of our relationship with God. Through this prism, humans are seen as being created for relationship with God and each other. And the fall is seen as a rupture in that relationship. The rest of the Bible is the story of this fractured relationship and the many attempts to restore it. Jesus is seen as the ultimate sacrifice of relationship to achieve reconciliation of humanity's relationship with God. The Spirit's work is seen as equipping us for relationship with God and others. And the next life is seen as the fulfilment of perfected relationships. The Gospel and Relationships This prism helps us to see the Gospel message in a new way. Sin is a thought, word or action that breaks relationship with God or others. Salvation is the experience of being saved from the impact and suffering of broken relationships. Justification is the restoration of relationship with God as if it were never broken. Grace is the free gift of restored relationship that costs us nothing but changes every relationship. Redemption is about a price being paid to restore the broken relationship and to renew all relationships. And sanctification is realising the potential of restored relationships, enabling them to flourish. There is much Bible teaching that informs us about our need for healthy relationships with God and others. We have a need for intimacy, which is a deep connection of knowing another and being known. You can read more about that in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 27, Psalm 42, Psalm 63, and 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. We have a sense of needing to belong to God and others. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, when God says to Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. And Psalm 145, verse 18, and 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 9. And our sense of identity is bound up in a need to define ourselves in relationship with others. You can read more about that in John, chapter 1, verse 12, and chapter 15, verse 15. It's a beautiful 
uh, verse about friendship. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, and 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. The workplace and relationships. Our workplace is a great school for learning about relationships. While it may be easier to be in relationship with only those we love and who love us, work throws us together with all sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds, many with whom we normally would not choose to spend time. (laughs) Working helps us to develop the fruit of the Spirit as we are forced to be loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle and self-controlled with our colleagues. The key area where our working relationships are tested is when we have to work together as a team. There are several essential elements identified to enable groups of people to become teams. First of all, you need a clear structure. People must understand the different components of work being done and how their work fits in with the overall task at hand. Secondly, you need clear roles and accountability. People must understand their roles and how they relate to other roles. They must also know what they are accountable for and to whom they are to be accountable. You also need to have clear vision and goals. The group must understand what they are to achieve and have specific performance goals with measures of quality and timeliness. And finally, a leader for key areas. There are several opportunities for leadership within a team. There's the organisational leader who owns the vision, monitors the goals, pulls the group together and ensures the task gets completed. And there is a technical leader, depending on the complexity of the task, there may be more than one, who can assist with technical clarification and sources of knowledge. Then there is the social leader who monitors the team's general health and how well members are relating to one another. And then there is the deep thinker who probably does not think of himself or herself as a leader to whom team members go for conceptual breakthrough and problem solving. In all our working functions, we can work positively to enhance relationships or we can work negatively to harm them. Here are a few examples. In strategic planning, we can consider the impact of our planning on relationships seeking to create structures and products that enhance the ability of people to relate to each other. In decision-making, we should try to consider the consequences of our choice on people's relationships and plan how to work with others to enact the decision. In organising our work or team, we should be conscious of bringing order and helping people to flourish with their gifts and skills. In evaluating our work or project, we should take it as an opportunity to learn how relationships were inhibited and to create steps towards empowering healthy relations. In communicating, we should consider the best way of getting the message across so that there is transparency, understanding and trust and so that people can work together effectively. And in meetings, the dreaded meetings, (laughs) we need to remember to consider relational outcomes and not just the task outcomes. An example of enhancing relationships through our working. Patrick was general manager of a large development project. He had the enviable task of building a small city from the ground up 
and consulted far and wide on the best concepts of urban planning. In the end, one of his planning objectives was the desire to create community. It impacted every decision made. It meant that the city was divided into hubs, where residential areas were adjacent to shopping areas and industrial parks. Each hub had generous community building facilities, including places of worship, recreational parks, playgrounds and libraries. The concept of the hubs was such that people could shop and work within a five kilometre radius of their homes. There were bike and walking paths linking the residential, commercial, industrial and recreational areas. Patrick went even further. He made it impossible for developers to build what are called gated communities, where small residential complexes were separated from the rest of the community by high walls and locked gates. Having a front porch or balcony was compulsory, thus encouraging people to interact with their neighbours. Patrick also gave preference to strips of shops along the street over large shopping malls. This project is now showcased as an exceptional example of sustainable living and community building. And those ideas of community came from Patrick's Christian faith. Building relationships through our working is a commendable goal for all of us. But I now take this time to note that while we can do much to enhance relationships in our roles, there is also the possibility that they can go very wrong. We will explore this in more detail in the chapters on bullying and conflict and toxic workplaces, both to be found in Volume 2 of Workship. In the meantime, let me pray. God of fellowship and community. So often we focus on the task rather than the person. We try to get things done instead of thinking about the people with whom we are working. We focus on the best possible financial outcome rather than thinking of the consequences on people. We only notice relationships at work when they go bad. Help us to be agents of change in our workplace in promoting healthy relationships. Give us wisdom to know how to help people flourish. Help us to seek reconciliation rather than promotion and unity rather than only results. Most of all, help us to be always aware of our relationship with you while we work and help us to work in partnership with you. Amen. Taking it further. Okay, first of all, do an audit of your relationships at work. List all the people you work with into categories. Your team, other people at work, clients, suppliers, competitors, consultants, and others. Don't forget the people easily taken for granted, like the receptionist, the cleaner, the caterer, and the guy who brings in the coffee orders. (laughs) Now, rate each relationship on a scale from 1, mild conflict, to 3, lukewarm, to five, healthy relationship. What do you notice? Which relationships do you need to work on? Secondly, think specifically of a team of which you are a part. What do you notice about the structure, the clarity of roles, the definition of vision and goals, 
and emergence of leadership in key areas? What could be improved? What is already flourishing? Thirdly, read the Bible references in this chapter and make notes on how they impact your view of relationships. Is there anything you would like to add as dimensions of relationship with God and each other besides intimacy, belonging and identity? And finally, read Patrick's story again. How does this challenge your idea of how our jobs can enable us to influence community, both within and without the organisation? What could you do in or through your job to enhance relationships? <music>